sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to hang out with Paul Stone, at Paul Stone Sports on Twitter. I've known Paul, gosh, got to be 20 years now, at least. The guy knows college football, I'll just leave it at that. We had him on over the summer. We're going to go through some of the bet on and bet against, actually not some of them. He gave me a whole list of bet on and bet against teams in August. He was really sharp with that list. We're going to go through and recap it and talk about how he saw what he did so we can learn for next year and what he's going to do with these teams moving forward. We're going to talk about capping college football down the stretch here in November, how it's different from early season or mid-season capping. And we're going to look specifically at morphing teams down the stretch, teams that have vastly improved or vastly declined since September. So... It's a loaded show uh, with Paul Stone today. And, of course, the goal, yeah, yeah, we're going to have picks. But remember, this is not a pick show. There's lots and lots of pick shows out there. This isn't one of them. This is a show about teaching a man to fish. This is a show about college football handicapping. That's why I like to bring a guy like Paul Stone in the mix. He knows what he is doing in that regard. But before we get into Paul and before we get into what's going on specifically in college football this week and moving forward. I want to talk a little bit about this time of the year. And look, there were some brutal, brutal beats in college football last week. If you had TCU, <laughs> you should be real happy right now. West Virginia, of course, uh, TCU is in fourth and one. They're up three. There's 30 seconds left. They're at the 29-yard line. All right. And the dude jumps off sides. So there's no field goal. <laughs> And the quarterback, Dugan, realizes he has a free play and chucks it up to the end zone. And lo and behold, the wide receiver catches it. They win by 10, not three or six. Brutal, brutal beat for Mountaineers backers. I don't know if it's any easier for Arizona State backers against Colorado. They're up 42-20 in the fourth. They give up one touchdown. They're still covering. And one touchdown is no big deal until Jordan Tyson returns a punt for 88 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> Cut the lead to eight, minus 13. No good. That two in the closing minutes of that ballgame. Bad beats can and will happen. This isn't going to recap all the bad beats in college football last week. But it is worth mentioning this time of year. Look, November gets flat out weird. All right? The days are shorter. It's dark when you get up. It's dark when you leave work. Every sport's going right now. NFL's in full season, in mid-season form. College football's down the stretch. NBA's starting. College hoops. If you haven't looked at Monday's college hoops card, <laughs> don't. There's like 120 games for the opening day of college hoops on Monday. Uh, and that's something that I personally try not to do. I, I not, not try not. I don't start uh, picking client uh, plays in college hoops till after Thanksgiving because I can't. There's NHL going on right now, along with NFL, college football, NBA, college hoops, NHL. There's UFC and golf, and so there's soccer. World Cup's coming up. <laughs> I mean, there is a ton of stuff going on right now. It is the busiest month of the year, November. It's not close. You know, you can't handicap everything. All right? You need to take time for yourself and for your loved ones. 
I saw Hamilton this week. I actually took a night off and went to... Now, admittedly, uh, by choice. You know, the wife's a fan, the kid's a fan. They both wanted to go see. Sure, I'll go. But you have to do something. Because this month can be as brutal as it gets when you wake up every day and do nothing but bet, bet, bet from morning, noon, to night. And again, that's not what people in this business do. Um, this time of year, you have to make sure that you're taking a break. You're taking some time off. You're not overstressed. You're not undersleeping. Because, frankly, when all this stuff goes at the same time, like, oh, I got to make an NFL. I got to break down the NFL card. All right, I got to break down the college football card. Oh, I got to look at college hoops. Oh, I got to look at the NBA. Oh, I got to look at NHL. Oh, what about the World Cup? Oh, what about... And so on and so forth. Overstressed, undersleeping, dark days. These are tough times. These can be difficult times from a mental health standpoint. And it's important for us to talk. Nobody talks about mental health in sports betting, all right? We have to talk about it. If you're stressed out, if you're undersleeping, if you're trying to do too much, you have to take a step back. And what I do personally, again, when it comes to college basketball, which is enormously labor-intensive early in the season, I push it back. I understand there's money to be made when the lines first come out in November. If you've done a month's worth of college basketball work already, and have good power ratings on every team and have a sense of how they're going to open up the season, you can make a fortune betting November college basketball. But I haven't done that. I don't have time to do that. It's not a realistic goal for me to go into college hoops and say, all right, from day one, I'm knowing what's going on. Because right now, I'm trying to make money in the NFL. I'm trying to make money in college football. I'm trying to make money in the NBA. You know, we still got World Series games this weekend. You know, uh, so, although it's not a big piece of the equation, it is nonetheless a piece of the equation. So when you're talking about keeping sane at this time of year, and it's really important to talk about in November, <laughs> more than any other time, especially because, again, the time change comes tonight, Saturday night. So all of a sudden it's dark when you get home from work, and it's already dark in the morning when I get up. You know, these are issues that... Nobody talks about when it comes to handicapping games. Nobody talks about how to manage your time right. Nobody talks about how to keep yourself focused on the task at hand. I'm trying to at least address these issues at the top of today's show in what is going, has the potential to be an enormously profitable time of year, but enormously busy time of year. Hold on to your hats, folks. November is here. Paul Stone Storch coming up next. Cover sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com so this is how i know i'm getting old (laughs) all right and yeah it always feels like no, november comes and there's 500 sports to go at once and it's dark all the time and you don't get any sleep and you start to feel old. But I know I'm getting old because our guest today, Paul Stone Sports, I was thinking about him. I'm like, I've known him 20 years. Paul, is that right? Have I known you 20 years now? Is that is that fair that, to that say? Sounds about, uh, that, that sounds about right. I think we've, we've been at it a long time. And I guess you could call both of us uh, survivors. We're still, we're still kicking. <laughs> well, I was talking about it on, on, on the air a couple of weeks ago. I'm like... If you make it like about the 15-year point in the business is when they started, oh, the legend, the legend. <laughs> and it's not like you have to do anything. All you have to do is just last, <laughs> survive, and advance uh, to the next year and keep doing what you're doing, and all of a sudden you become a legend. But 
Uh, Paul, you've done more than survive in advance. You're as good a college football handicapper long-term as I know. And that's why I like to have you on the show when I can get you. So let me ask you this. How's your college football season going so far? <laughs> good? Bad? Indifferent? Sides? Totals? Props? Futures? Uh, talk to me about how the first two-plus months of college football have gone for you. Well, I tell you, Teddy, coming into this season, you know, I was riding a, a string of seven straight winning seasons against the spread. Uh, but the season's certainly not up to that standard uh, for myself to this point when you're talking about, you know, games that I've provided the week of the game. I'm currently a few games below 500. Still got the month of November to go. Still have the bowl game. So a lot of games to be uh, to be played. Uh, but as you probably know as well, I'm heavily involved in betting the college football games of the year. I bet quite a few regular season totals, bet the early week one numbers. I think by June 15th of this year, I had close to 75 bets already made. I ended up wow. with, the, you know, close to 100. Games of the year, they've historically been my strongest suit. Uh, and that's pretty much been my saving grace to this point this year. Uh, I think I've only lost three games of the year out of about 20 graded games to this point. I think I'm 17 and three. I have four game of the year tickets this weekend. I've got uh, an average of almost 10 points of value on those tickets uh, versus the current line. So doing well on my games of the year. And that's a, you know, again, a significant, um, you know, part of my portfolio. So hopefully the other will kick in, but as you know, man, it's, uh, you know, things tend to level out and, you just got to keep scrapping, uh, keep working your process, and hoping that the uh, the results will uh, return to their historical norm. One thing, this is never, <laughs> this is never easy. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. You said seven straight winning points spread seasons, and this year it's not like you're getting crushed. You're a couple games below 500, but obviously this season ain't over yet. We've got all in November. We've got the the first weekend of December, and then we have bowl games on top of that. Now, you bet more sides, more totals. You do props in college football. I know you've done very well with the futures in terms of the advanced uh, the games of the year line. Do you have futures on teams to win various conferences or divisions or uh, over-under wins? Um, what do you bet more on over the summer? And, and talk about some of those wagers and how they've uh, played out. Certainly, uh, you know, the most extensive part of my portfolio that I bet in the summer is going to be the uh, games of the year. I've got probably on the regular season win totals, oh, 25 of those roughly. And then only a handful of future like on conference uh, winners. So, you know, again, I'm heavily uh, invested in the games of the year. And that's, that's where I really concentrate uh a lot of my handicapping energies over the summer, certainly. Now, so what we there? Here we are in November. Obviously, you've had some teams that have done very well for you this year, and some teams that may not have the greatest of reads on. What teams have made you the most money this year in college football? Whether it's betting on them or betting against them. You know, I'm more of a, I'm more of a numbers guy than a, a team guy. If that makes uh, if that makes sense. So sure. Uh, so know, let, let me just. Let me jump in real quick. So, so you're talking about you're less likely to be saying, all right, I, I think there's value on whatever, Texas A&M right now, and I'm going to bet Texas A&M this week and next week and the week after, as opposed to, hey, these are these week's games. <laughs> where's, the, where's the value team this week? Is that what you're trying to say there? 
Yeah, I mean, I make, you know, I, I bet numbers, not teams. I, I make numbers each week and participate in the uh, unveiling of the, the college football openers there at the Circa basically every season, uh, every week of the season, rather. So, you know, I'm just looking for discrepancies between the number that, that Matt Metcalf there at Circa puts up and, and my numbers. So, uh, you know, I'm really not a, a guy that just latches on to a team and uh, bets that team. Certainly I do look at and respond to teams from time to time, you know, that I think might continue to be overvalued or undervalued in the marketplace. And, uh, you know, you certainly uh, I keep a look at those teams. And, you know, we had talked about um, um, the teams, uh, you know, morphing teams, um, positive and negative from both standpoints. And, and to kind of flow into that, uh, if we can, you know, LSU uh, is a team that uh, I certainly have, you know, high hopes for the rest of the year. You know, I think almost predictably with a first-year head coach and a new quarterback coming over uh, out of the portal, LSU, you know, they didn't really paint a, a masterpiece in their season opening 24-23 loss to Florida State there at the Superdome. The passing game looked, you know, particularly disjointed. But, you know, their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, he, he's hit his stride both in the passing and running game. And they're a different team entering November uh, than the one we saw Labor Day weekend. Uh, they covered six of their last seven since that Florida State loss. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do beginning this weekend at home uh, against uh, Alabama. And then also another team, Missouri, you know, that they're not a particularly sexy team, so to speak. You know, they're not going to move many people's a needle at this point, but uh, in six games, you look at them, first of all, offensively, very limited. In six games against FBS opponents this year, they've only averaged 17.5 points per game, but their defense has vastly improved this year over recent additions. Uh, since they lost to uh, Kansas State on the road, I think it was 40-12, to 12, they've covered four straight games when cast as the underdog. So uh, that, that's a team that I'm looking at to the to the positive. And I've got a couple of negative teams as well, teams that I may be looking uh, to play on, uh, to play against, rather, if we have time to look at those. Sure, absolutely. we got a couple minutes for the break right here. Tell me, you talked about LSU and Missouri. And, and Missouri is a fascinating case because Missouri literally fumbled away a win at the goal line in overtime. I'm trying to remember what game that was. Was that Florida? That was you know what I'm talking about. Where, uh, Auburn, that's who it was. Yes, thank you. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Who literally? I mean, they fumbled the ball at the one-inch line in OT when they were about to win the game. So Missouri's straight-up record, not perhaps as indicative. You know, it's it's slightly less good than it should be. Uh, but tell me about some teams you've been making money betting against. Uh, again, we got about 90 seconds for the break. You know, looking at uh, Syracuse, I think they're a team that you can look to fade the rest of the way. Certainly impressive in their, their season opening win over Louisville. But other than that, they didn't really do a whole lot to get out to that 6-0 and record. Now their quarterback, uh, Garrett Schrader, uh, I don't expect him to play at Pittsburgh this weekend. And I just think that's a team that's peaked. You know, I think the Oranges finest days in the 2022 season are behind them. And then another team that I think is worth a uh, look to bet against, Ole Miss. Uh, much like Syracuse, the Rebels uh, started out 7-0, and but it was against a really easy schedule, especially by SEC West standards. Uh, they did beat a pretty good but not great Kentucky team 
uh, at home there in Oxford by a field goal. But that game, you know, it could have gone either way. And then they got mm-hmm. exposed, of course, at LSU. I believe they lost that game by 25 points. I think they're a team to look to fade down the stretch. LSU, Missouri, bet on. Syracuse and Ole Miss, bet against. Down the stretch. Strong opinions from Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports on Twitter. When we come back, we're going to take a look at what he said over the summer, why he was so right, and how we can make money doing that next year. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Now, the reason I've known Paul Stone for 20 years is not because I travel to Texas all the time. I don't. Last time I was in Texas, I think, was probably the 1980s. No, no, no. I drove through it on my way out to Vegas. But uh, last time I spent, I visited Texas on a vacation was the 1980s. Uh, but Paul comes to Vegas. He's, in fact, staying at the uh, South Point uh, as we speak uh, right now. Because, Paul, you come every weekend during college football season. You want to bet those openers at the Circa? Is that what you do here in town? Yeah, pretty much every weekend, Teddy. I'm uh, I'm here in Vegas, and as you know, uh, Circa posts the worldwide openers in college football, both sides and totals, each Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific. So uh, I'm usually out here and uh, like to bet those. Usually find a little more value early in the season. Once you get to this point in the season, uh, not as much value. They really do a good job there. You know, they are. Uh, a great opponent, so to speak. So, uh, but I, I enjoy doing it. Enjoy the, uh, the the competition of it, and it's uh, it, it's just great to be part of it. And the the circle welcomes your action. The South Points welcomes your action. You had any issues with limits or anything like that uh, uh, at those books here in Vegas? Those signature books here uh, in Las Vegas. You know, certainly, I, I personally haven't uh, had any issues. You know, Circa as well. Uh, well known for their, uh, you know, reputation that they want to that they want to ride action and that they welcome all types of players, whether they're you know so-called squares or, or so-called sharps or anything in between. And uh, you know, I've been coming to South Point for years and have a great uh, relationship with Chris Andrews and uh, Jimmy Vaccaro and all the gang out here. So uh, hadn't had any issues here at all. I really like the, the South Point. You know, it's south of the Strip, as you know. Uh, a little bit out of the hustle bustle, but I kind of enjoy uh, being isolated out here and, and not as quite as much, uh, uh, you know, not as many people and not as much uh, stuff going on allows me to work and so forth on my handicapping. Yeah, we had uh, Chris Andrews on the show, was it last week? Gosh, man, I, November, you don't even know what happened last week or was it was the month ago. I think it was last week. It might have been the week before, but uh, I always enjoy uh, getting a chance to pick Chris Andrews' brain. And of course, I live in Southern Highlands. In Las Vegas, which uh, the neighborhood is south of the Strip, so I'm kind of equidistant between the M and the South Point. Uh, but these days, the South Point clearly has a better book, so uh, I go to the South Point uh, on a regular basis. Enjoy hanging out with Chris Andrews, and I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Superbook, because obviously the Superbook uh, here uh, at the Westgate uh, in Las Vegas, but of course now we're getting to see Superbook in Colorado and Superbook around the country. Uh, that's the third book that I never have any issues whatsoever recommending for people they will very willing to take a bet so uh paul i wrote down over the summer your bet on slash bet against teams as we were talking from the college preview show back in august and i gotta say 
You friggin' nailed it, dude. Let's talk about what you got right, the little bit you got wrong, and what you saw when you saw it, so we can look like opportunities like for like this next summer, and maybe give me some thoughts on what we're gonna do with some of these teams moving forward. This is your list of bet on teams. All right, you said South Carolina is gonna be better, and they've been way better. I made money with the Gamecocks, not last week. That was a bad spot against Missouri, but South Carolina's made me money this year. Louisville. Better. This is a bet on team. You said they were being overvalued. And Louisville's been a moneymaker. Minnesota had some injuries. They've gotten back on track. Kansas State has made everybody money so far this year. And obviously, if you had them last week, that was as rocking chair of winners you'll ever have. You said Arizona was a value team as well. I got to say, that's a pretty good list of bet on teams from back in August. How'd you come up with that list? And is there anything, any one of those teams stand out to you as we want to do something with? on a consistent basis here in November. Yeah, looking at those five teams that we talked about uh, back in the summer uh, that you just mentioned, South Carolina, Louisville, Minnesota, Kansas State, and Arizona, all those teams currently five and three against the spread. So if you played all five of those blindly to this point, uh, 25 and 15 against the spread on those bet-on teams. And, and you know, as a handicapper, I think it all comes down to, you know, how much work you put into it. You know, it's just kind of a case of, of rolling up your sleeves, working, you know, studying the rosters and all the personnel turnover, especially now that we have immediate eligibility through the, you know, the transfer portal that makes it even more complicated. And then you just make educated judgments about whether a team's going to likely perform above or below market expectations. And as you know, Teddy, having done this a number of years, handicapping is no different than any other vocation or pursuit. You know, the harder you work, typically, uh, the better your results. You know, sometimes we can work really hard and put in a lot of hours, maybe hour, 80 hours a week even, and end up losing money. I don't know too many jobs or vocations like that, but that kind of comes with the territory. But usually, you know, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And it's just trying to, you know, find out things that other people don't see and uh, be outside of what the, what the market uh, is thinking one way or the other. And you picked coaches. Like college football, there's so much that comes down to how a coach runs a program. And we talk about Beamer at South Carolina. You're talking about, you know, row the boat uh, at Minnesota. You're talking about Cleman at, uh, at uh, Kansas State. You're talking about Fish at Arizona. These are bet-on coaches. Your list of bet against teams over the summer, however, <laughs> how many of these coaches are left? Let's see, Auburn, Brian Harson. you said, you even said this guy's not last in the year, and he didn't. Brian Harson gone. Arizona State, you're like, Herm Edwards, this is a train wreck. Herm Edwards isn't going to be there. Herm Edwards, gone. Um, we haven't seen that at Miami yet, but the Mario Cristobal situation certainly isn't good. If I'm playing this week, I'm only playing the Florida State side, even though they did win that riveting. And yes, I watched the whole freaking game. 14-12, to 12, four overtime win over Virginia last week. Um, why do I get caught in games like that? I got three TVs and I always end up stuck on having one of them stuck on a game like that that I just can't uh, turn away from. And uh, two other teams you talked about, Purdue and Texas Tech, as potential bet against Talk about what you looked for when you were looking at those situations over the summer and talk about anything that we might want to do with these five teams, Auburn, Miami, Purdue, Texas Tech, Arizona State, down the stretch here in November. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Auburn and uh, Miami, Florida, obviously the two that stand out the most of, of these five teams that I recommended to bet against. Auburn only two and six against the spread. Miami, Florida even worse at one and seven against the spread. And then Purdue and Texas Tech so far this year, three and five against the spread. And the only one of my ten recommendations right now that you would have lost money on to this point, and only the juice, Arizona State, uh, four and four against the spread. You know, the main thing about that Auburn football team was the, the quarterback position. Um, and I say the main thing. There were several things. Just the unrest with Brian Harson's um, short tenure there entering the season. They obviously talked about, at least at some level, uh, about terminating him even before the start of the 2022 season. So that's just not a healthy situation. They don't have SEC caliber players right now. It's very difficult, I mean, to think of this Auburn team, and I, I think this is correct, that of their last 10 games versus Power 5 opponents, they've only won one game. So they're one in nine against Power 5 opponents, their last 10 straight up, and the victory was the game that we talked about previously with a Missouri running back in overtime is about to cross, cross the goal line uh, and fumbles the ball, and it goes out of the side of the, the end zone for a touchback, and Auburn wins. So that's their only win. So, you know, Auburn just so much dysfunction. You look at Miami, Florida, I think a lot of people got overly excited about Mario Cristobal coming back to Coral Gables. I think uh, their quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, a, a little bit overrated. And I think just too much, you know, there's just too much buzz about that team in the offseason. Just a lot of uh, a lot of buildup. I believe they were nationally ranked, uh, and I just didn't uh, didn't see it. Uh, Purdue and Texas Tech, you know, really, even though they're 3-5 and five, uh, against the spread to this point, you know, they've probably played about like most people uh, thought they would. Um, I'm really excited going forward, even though they are three and five, about Texas Tech and the future under their first year head coach, Joey McGuire, uh, a guy who made his name in the Texas high school coaching ranks. But he's recruiting at a very high level. They're going to have a very successful 2023 class. And uh, like what I see uh, in the Red Raiders going forward. Yeah, I'm with you on Texas Tech. I think the trajectory of that program looks really good. And you know, you talk about Arizona State being the only team that you wouldn't have made money with out of your 10 recommendations over the summer. And they fired their coach too early. If Herm Edwards was there, they wouldn't have covered these numbers. When they fired their coach too early, you know, Auburn let, let Harson stick around for a month after he was already dead man walking. Arizona State fired their guy too early. But if you bet against the Sun Devils when Herm Edwards was still coaching them, that was certainly profitable. Real quick, we got just about 90 seconds for the break. I want to ask you about two two things from the list. One, Auburn this week, now that Harson's been fired, we saw Georgia Tech step up after Collins got fired. We saw, um, there's a bunch of them that have already happened. Uh, Carl Durrell. We saw the Colorado when Mike Sanford took over that first game. Uh, they beat Cal straight up. Uh, Arizona State, Herm Edwards gets fired. They covered against USA and they beat Washington. Paul Chris gets fired, and all of a sudden Jim Leonard comes in and they blow out Northwestern the first week. Does Auburn have a chance this week at Mississippi State, or is this a talent problem uh, for the Tigers? 
You know, certainly some teams that first game with the new interim coach have have, uh, have have done well and have won that game. But I'm just concerned about Auburn's personnel. I mean, other than other than Tank Bigsby, they really don't have uh, you know a top level SEC player. And also on the other sideline, Mississippi State. You know, they lost. They were off last week, but their last game they lost at Alabama, 30 to six, coming off a very disappointing performance. So I won't be on the Tigers. Uh, Personally, I just don't see enough. Not uh, this week. No Auburn this week. We'll be right back. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't miss anything from our programming. It's real simple. Just follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, to stay informed all day long. I'll get clips, breaking news, updates, and pretty much everything else. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore covers. And, of course, you can follow today's guest, Paul Stone, on Twitter, at Paul Stone Sports. So, Paul, before the break, we were talking about some of the bet on and bet against teams that you saw over the summer, some of the things that you look for. Now let's talk about November handicapping because it's a different thought process at this time of the year compared to September and October. Talk to me about capping college football down the stretch. How is it different? What do you look for? I think, first of all, Teddy, in November, you know, those injuries are starting to pile up. So I think it's critical to do your best to keep up with uh, injuries, especially ones at the key positions, uh, most notably, uh, obviously, the quarterback position. But we're entering week 10 of college football, those bumps and bruises again starting to take their toll. Uh, most teams' injury list a lot longer than it was back on September 1st. Obviously, schools in college football not required to provide injury reports, so the information can be difficult to find. Um, but you gotta you gotta find it, and then you got to uh, kind of read between the tea leaves. Since some coaches are not particularly uh, forthcoming when asked about players during this part of the season, also I tend to look at the underdog side even more so than typical, especially when I have the opportunity to take the underdog against, you know, certain ranked teams. You know, many college football teams celebrate and promote national rankings as they probably should, but I often view that ranking uh, as more of an albatross than a benefit. I mean, you look at first-year FBS member James Madison, they're a great example, the first school ever to gain a national ranking in their first year of FBS competition. They get ranked. What have they done since they got ranked? They've lost consecutive games outright as a double-digit favorite in both. So I look more towards the underdog uh, and more in from the perspective of fading a team that is kind of now maybe the hunted instead of the hunter, uh, a case in point tomorrow, even though I'm not making a recommendation one way or the other. Tennessee, number one in the first playoff poll unveiled earlier this week. Uh, that's a heavy burden to carry into Athens, Georgia this weekend. 
Yeah, you think that Georgia will uh, be be prepared for the Vols? Fascinating game there, because really, when you look at the Georgia side of the equation, they haven't faced a whole lot of good offenses yet. They've actually faced a well below average schedule when it comes to opposing offenses. I could only take Georgia in that game, and I didn't do it. Um, I want to ask you, so specifically, you talked about injuries. Is there any team or two that stands out to you right now? That's an injury-riddled mess that wasn't in that uh, that wasn't that way a month or two ago. You know, off the top of my head, you know, I know, I know Syracuse is starting to to have some injuries for sure. Um, just trying to think of any team right now that's really um, Syracuse is fine. We're going to, uh, <laughs> yeah. right I was looking at the orange the at Pitt this week, and I decided not to make that wager in large part because of the orange injury report, and because I'm not sure if their season is not spoiled right now. Uh, you know, after the back-to-back losses. Uh, so Syracuse certainly a team that has more than their fair share. Now I've given you a minute to think about it. Is there another team you want to throw in there, or should we move on? Well, you know, Texas A&M, they've had some injuries as well. That's another team that kind of pops to mind. But, uh, you know, those are, those are two that come to mind just right off the bat. Sure. And, of course, A&M is a favorite again this week against the Florida Gators. Uh, if you were playing that game, which side would you look? You know, gosh, if I had to play it, I'd ask for for mercy and, uh, and rain check because I don't want to play on Texas A&M just for the very uh, you know they're they're favored by three and a half points. They're very challenged offensively, although Connor Wickman really played well last week in his debut, uh, true freshman quarterback against Ole Miss. But at the same time, Florida's performance has been really choppy all year. So, gosh, I guess if I had to, I'd play the underdog. But uh, that'd be one of my last games. I'd probably. Uh, pluck off the board. Yeah, yeah. I was I was trying to make a case for the Gators and uh and I didn't get there. <laughs> but I'm, it was the same kind of story. It's like I want to fade A and M, but maybe not so much. So let me ask you this, because one thing that does happen every year in November, we have the first year head coaches versus the veteran head coaches. Are there patterns when you look at the first year head coaches, what teams tend to do down the stretch, do they still fight harder at the end of the first year? You know there's going to be a bunch more transfers out. You know there's going to be a bunch more kids coming in. By the end of the year, are these guys just worn down? Do we bet on or bet against first-year head coaches here in November? Yeah, I don't know if there's any particular pattern out there. Maybe somebody's uh, uncovered that, Teddy, but I, I really hadn't uh... – you know, been able to find anything uh, of note there. Certainly in the early going, uh, I like to, you know, the first few games of the season, which have already passed, obviously, I like to pick opportunities where you can fade a first-year head coach as a favorite, especially if they're a double-digit favorite or something along those lines. But, uh, you know, uh, first-year head coaches are, are unique. A lot of times the hires that people just think or, or can't miss do miss. You know, it's very difficult to quantify what a coach is going to do, especially if they're a first-year head coach. But even if they've been successful uh, in in one spot and uh, now they're going to something different. I mean, Scott and Frost, Scott Frost took over a team at Central Florida that they were coming off some terrible seasons and they went uh, 12-0 and or whatever and claimed to be national champions and he turned that thing around in a heartbeat and then he went to Lincoln uh, as the coach of Nebraska, and everybody thought, man, this is going to be great. And we saw what happened there. So very difficult. It's kind of wait and see for the most part for me uh, when the school hires a new head coach. Well, you talked about a coach that you love, first-year head coach you liked, Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. 
Uh, are there any other first-year head coaches that have stood out to you as being, hey, this is a guy we want to be paying attention to. This is a program that's on the rise. And then the flip side of that equation, any first-year head coaches that you really don't like and you think are ass clowns at this stage of the campaign <laughs> or the moral equivalent thereof? Well, I'm going to take some low, low-hanging fruit, first of all, as far as coaches who've done a great job. I mean, you have to start with Sonny Dykes at, at TCU, uh, who just moved 35 miles to the west from SMU to TCU. The Horned Frogs ranked seventh in the uh, inaugural college football playoff poll this week. I think they were picked seventh or eighth in the Big 12, so they're doing quite well. A lot of people think they're underranked, but if they go undefeated, they'll make the playoff. And they lost a couple of key guys to the portal, a couple of key uh, defensive players, both edge guys, O'Shawn Mathis to Nebraska and Kari Coleman to Ole Miss. Probably their two best or at least two of their three or four best defensive players. So really like what uh, Dykes uh, has done at TCU. Dan Lanning at Oregon uh, after the inauspicious beginning uh, with the Ducks losing to Georgia by a uh, considerable 49-3 to margin. They've won eight consecutive games, so he's really uh, re-gathered uh, the troops there. And then maybe honorable mention, these programs not as prominent as those two, but Mike Elko at Duke, they're 5-3, and three, one game from bowl eligibility, and then Jim Morris Jr. at UConn, 4-5 and five on the season. They won four games total uh, in their previous three seasons of football. And then on the negative side, again, low-hanging fruit, but Mario Cristobal, uh, it's been a tough go there uh, in Coral Gables so far this year. The loss at home uh, to Middle Tennessee as a 25-point favorite, uh, certainly the most alarming uh, result for the Canes this season. Uh, but the negatives have certainly outweighed the positives uh, there in Cristobal's return to uh, Miami. And then Brent Venables, not so much, certainly not on the level of Cristobal, but the Sooners lost three straight uh, conference games there in late September, early October, the most decisive of those being a 49-0 uh, to zero loss to Texas there at the Cotton Bowl. In fairness, their starting quarterback, uh, Dylan Gabriel, uh, he, he wasn't available. Their offense was essentially handcuffed. Uh, with their backup, Davis Bevel, playing. But I think the jury's still out on uh, on Venables. It, you know, he, he's been a successful coordinator for whatever reason. He's never been a head coach. So it uh, will be interesting to see uh, what he's able to do in that role going forward. Venables and Cristobal, two disappointing first-year head coaches. Only one of them a first-year, first-time head coach. Cristobal has failed at multiple spots before. And yet he continues <laughs> to find work. Uh, I talked about him a fair bit over the summer. He's going, I don't know how this guy keeps getting marquee jobs. Every program he's been at has gotten worse when he's been there and better after he's left. Just look at the Oregon Ducks as a classic example. So just a couple of minutes left here uh, with Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports on Twitter again. And Paul, I want to ask you, you know, you've given us a bunch of opinions on today's show. Give us a good bettable opinion. Give me anything that you like in college football for Saturday. Side, total, prop, team total, wherever you want to go, my friend. Give our listening audience something that we can wager on with some confidence. I'll tell you, I like a side uh, this weekend, uh, Teddy, and I'm going to look to the Big 12 with the Texas Longhorns uh, going to the Little Apple. 
uh, Manhattan, Kansas to play Kansas State. Texas in their last game two weeks ago, they blew another double-digit uh, lead in their last game at Oklahoma State. They've now lost five straight true road games. This team is not the same uh, team on the road as they are at home. They've turned the ball over in their two road losses this year. The other road loss besides that Oklahoma State was at Texas Tech in overtime earlier this year. Five turnovers combined in those two road losses. Quinn Ewers just not the same quarterback on the road as he is at home. Will Howard played really well for Kansas State last week, 48 to nothing, Kansas State over Oklahoma State. I think Adrian Martinez gets the start tomorrow. Kansas State, 39 and 19 against the spread as a dog since 2012. Take Kansas State plus two and a half over Texas. Now, would you bet that at two and a half, or would you wait and see if you're going to see any threes before kickoff? Or do you think two and a half is as high as this number is going to go? Well, no, certainly I think, you know, sometimes I, I bet half my position uh, at the number uh, that's available and then wait and maybe, you know, take the other half of the position if it becomes available uh, at that key number of three. So I certainly, since two's a, kind of a dead number and it's probably not getting lower than one, you are correct. Maybe wait altogether till tomorrow morning or maybe only wait your half your position today and come back game day and uh, bet the uh, the remaining half. And that is a 7 o'clock Eastern time start, Texas and Kansas State. Paul Stone says, look for the Wildcats to keep doing what they're doing against the overrated Longhorns. Paul, promote yourself, my friend. Where do people find you? Well, you gave my Twitter handle at Paul Stone Sports, so I would appreciate a follow. My website, paulstonesports.org. Uh, I can be found across various media uh, formats and uh, companies uh, here and there. I am a regular guest on VSIN, the Vegas Sports Information Network. I also have the Paul Stone Sports Podcast, which is available at paulstonesports.org or any of your uh, favorite uh, podcast platforms. Great stuff, Paul. Thank you so much. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program. You want to go back and hear some of the stuff Paul Stone was talking about at the beginning of the show. If you want to download tomorrow's podcast, we're talking NFL with Drew Martin. Drew Martin bets on Twitter. You want to go back and listen to last week's show or last year's Super Bowl show? Real simple. Download the podcast version of Cover It with Teddy Covers. It is available at all major and minor podcast outlets. Download and consume at your convenience. Just search Cover It you can listen at a time that suits you best. We appreciate all the downloads. I'm shocked every week at how many people download this podcast. Thank you. Do it again this week. Let's talk college football for today. And the money's been trickling in on the Northwestern Wildcats. I'm seeing Ohio State now as low as 37.5 point favorites. What's Northwestern going to do against Ohio State? Okay. The wheels have come off the Wildcats. This is a team that's covered, what, six of their last 21 games, 6-15 and 15 against the spread. Whatever Pat Fitzgerald was doing so effectively earlier in his tenure, 
he's not been doing effectively <laughs> of late. And it's hard for a program like Northwestern. They have no name, image, likeness money. They're getting bombed in the transfer portal. They're not able to recruit the type of difference makers they were able to recruit 10 and 15 and 20 years ago when they were competing in the Big Ten. This team's an absolute bottom feeder, and they're smart enough to know it. The offense isn't working. Ohio State's offense works pretty well. Yes, there may be some weather in Evanston. Okay. Yes, maybe a flat spot for Ohio State. I understand. Minus 37.5 is a lot to lay in a situation where, yeah, it might be a flat spot. Yeah, there might be weather. I don't care. Northwestern has no answers in this matchup. If I'm playing, I'm laying. This one feels 52-3 to to me. Give me Ohio State minus the points in a game that I know the wise guys will not be driving this lineup. That's going to cap it for Cover It With Today Covers this Saturday. Enjoy the games, and good luck. We'll see you again tomorrow.